Welcome to the PeaceWorks Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Moles. I'm a pastor and biblical counselor who helps churches and families confront the evil of domestic violence and promote healthy, God-honoring relationships. Welcome back to the PeaceWorks Podcast, everyone. On today's episode, we're going to be talking a little bit about how we offer correction, rebuke, and encouragement. Uh, But before we do that, I want to remind you of some opportunities here at PeaceWorks that you can be a part of. The first is uh, PeaceWorks Live, which is our first virtual conference, and it is being held September 25th and 26th. 2020. At the time of this recording, our conference will be held at the end of the week. And so if you're hearing this in real time as it drops, let me encourage you to head over to chrismoles.org slash events and sign up for PeaceWorks Live. It's going to feature four plenary sessions by my, from myself, worship from Capital Worship, Survivor Story and Testimony, as well as three bonus sessions after the live stream is completed with Darby Strickland, Joy Forrest, and Greg Wilson. This is a first of its kind, and we're thrilled to offer it to you uh, virtually. So please go to chrismoles.org events and sign up for PeaceWorks Live. Also, if you enjoy what you're hearing on the PeaceWorks podcast every week, let me encourage you to consider joining PeaceWorks University. PeaceWorks University is our online membership site. And behind the the paywall is a vault of material, hundreds of hours of content, nearly everything that I've produced, along with uh, friends of mine who sit down in what we call master classes to share with us aspects of the work. This month's master class, as we're talking, is uh, Biblical View of Addiction by my friend Mark Shaw. We also offer a success path on addiction where I talk a little bit about the overlap And we let Mark talk a little bit more about um, his process. So uh, PeaceWorks University is a great tool, and I would love for you to be a part of that. You know, as I said at the outset of the episode, we're going to talk a little bit about critique, criticism, rebuke, uh, exhortation. This is important because one of the callings, not of my own volition, it wasn't like I woke up one morning and said, you know what I want to do, (laughs) right? It was this one of the providential ways in which God has brought me into work uh, for him and with him is through the process of correction. And so part of my journey uh, as a pastor and a people helper is I get calls fairly regularly from institutions, churches, ministries who are looking for instruction in domestic violence prevention and intervention. Now, I wish I could say that the vast majority of the individuals who contact me are looking for preventative care. But the reality is the majority of folks who call me, like most folks, are reacting to a problem. And nine times out of 10, it's reacting to the mismanagement of a case of abuse. And so for me, one of the one of the things that I have tried to do personally is to respond to those calls as much as I can, as often as I can. And I guess I was surprised, although looking back now and interacting with folks who, who who critique this response, I understand where the heat is coming from. There are some folks who 
just do not like the fact that I find myself in churches, institutions, ministries, or, or places where abuse has taken place. But at this point in my life and ministry, I'm not sure how I can fulfill the role that God's given me if I don't find myself in places where people have made, um, made mistakes and um, grave mistakes at that. So I want to talk to you a little bit about where the, my rationale comes from and uh, the ways in which I try to practice when I'm invited into a setting where abuse has taken place and some of the ways in which I don't step into the conversation. So let's start by looking at 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4, and here Paul is instructing Timothy, and he says, And so I urge you before God and before Christ Jesus, who will someday judge the living and the dead when he appears to set up his kingdom. Right. So understand who's looking over your shoulder, Paul is saying. Listen, I'm urging you, Timothy, a preacher, a pastor, a leader, to consider who's looking over your shoulder and that one day you'll be held accountable for the way in which you handle the truth. Verse two, preach the word of God. Now, I want to pause there and just say, that's what I feel my primary responsibility is. When I'm called into a situation as a consultant, or if you want to use the word expert or whatever situation I find myself in, that is the first responsibility. Will I deliver the word of God? Second, be persistent. So don't give up on preaching the word of God, whether the time is favorable or not. So, you know, whether people are on board with the message or they're not on board with the message, Timothy and uh, Chris as well, and you listener, if you're called into this type of environment, preach the word of God. Patiently, and I love this part. So the key state of mind is patience. Patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching. A couple things I want to note here. First, let me just pause for a second and say, I rarely speak into a situation unless I'm invited into that situation. This is another hard sell and something that I've received some criticism over the years. But let me try to give you an example that I'll make up, all right? So let's say McGillicuddy Baptist Church had a poorly managed case of abuse where the pastoral staff and the team did more harm than good. Now, if I don't know the pastors at McGillicuddy Baptist Church, if I don't even know where McGillicuddy is, I'm less likely to speak directly to that church, in large part because Paul's instruction is for me to teach my people with sound doctrine. So sometimes I'll get these calls. It'll go something like this. Pastor Chris, McGillicuddy Baptist Church has mishandled abuse. Okay, so I'll ask more questions. But the problem is I'm usually speaking to a third party not directly to a victim. I don't have case wisdom to address the case properly, and I have no prior relationship to the pastoral staff. And there is an expectation that I guess I should go in cold calling, but I've never really felt comfortable doing that because I, I don't know how to do that, to be quite honest. And who am I? Um, and I'll, I will tell you this as somebody who has worked in criminal cases for a long time. If I come into a CPS reporting, and all I have is third-party information 
with no specifics, I'm, I can guarantee you an investigation won't be opened up. It's very difficult to use third-party information to go in cold calling folks you don't know or who don't know you. So one of the things I really want to do is have some kind of relationship with the person, the institution, before I step in. That's where invitations are so important to me. But anyway, let's come back to the three, the three elements that Paul's talking about again. Patiently, so the context is being patient, correct, rebuke, and encourage. Now, if you look at the words, the words are really, really similar. In fact, I think maybe the um, ESV says something like rebuke, reprove, and exalt, or exalt, something like that. It's like they're really similar words. And the way I was taught was uh, to consider this is it's like different perspectives, different angles at which you take. Rebuking being this, or excuse me, correcting being this idea of sternly addressing the sin. It's like, whoa, hold up. It's you've identified and now you're calling out the sin. Reproving or rebuking being the idea of um, addressing the sin and then extolling being the idea of encouraging people to change. Normally, by the time I get a call into an institution, into a church ministry setting, the, the initial calling out of sin has happened. And the question that I'm being asked is based on this invitation, this relationship, will you offer us correction? Will you help us acknowledge where we've messed up? Will you give us the tools necessary to do better? And to be quite honest, listener, I'm happy to do that. I, I love doing that. And that doesn't mean that the conversations aren't hard. I recently had a hard, some hard conversations with a leader of an institution who made some really bad missteps. I shouldn't even say missteps. They're just really foolish choices, right? It, there, was a, there was a lack of wisdom, a lack of nuance, a lack of understanding that presented itself in great harm. And I think that needs to be said firmly and plainly, and then it needs to be corrected. So Paul comes along and he tells Timothy, and I think we're in this category too, are you correcting? Are you rebuking? Are you encouraging? And that's the type of person I want to be. And I want to do it patiently because I understand that people change in chunks. They don't change overnight. And so I want to patiently apply those elements of change, those elements of rebuke, right? Correcting, reproving, encouraging continually to the person in the institution. But it's all wrapped up in preaching the word of God. Well, what's the issue? What's the potential fallout of that? Well, I think that's what Paul gets at in verse three, because a time is coming where people will no longer listen to right teaching. All right, so be prepared, Timothy, Chris, listener, when you confront folks, when you tell them that they've harmed the flock, when you tell them that they have foolishly mismanaged a situation, understand that they have two choices at that point. Will they listen or will they reject? Will they be hearers or not? So that's really uh, the up to them. They will follow their own desires. They will look for teachers who will tell them whatever they want to hear. They will reject the truth and follow strange myths. So I know one of the criticisms that's been leveled at me is, 
that I'm that teacher that people wants to hear. I hope that's not the case. My goodness. I mean, I wouldn't want to hear some of the things that I say. Uh, I wouldn't want to hear some of the critiques that, uh, criticisms that I have to level in places. And I certainly wouldn't want to hear the, uh, the processes that, that I suggest sometimes. So, um, I think it's important to note that when you're invited into a situation, we can be gracious, patient, but we need to offer correction that's consistent with the Word of God, rebuke that calls people to change, and encouragement to do so. And uh, I guess I will never be one of those folks who um, is going to be on full blast. I've just never been. (laughs) I just can't do it. I don't know how to do it. I will say hard things. I will try to say them in ways that are winsome and gracious, and I want to see the church do better. And I'm happy to critique the church or an institution or a leader, um, but without that relationship, it makes it really, really hard um, to see the type of transformation that we're looking for. So that comes back to the, the question, what do we do as people helpers moving forward. If you're listening to this podcast, what role do we play in calling people to account? Well, first, you know, note that Paul is not calling us to be silent, especially those of us who are in leadership positions. He's calling us to speak the truth. He's calling us to stand up uh, for individuals who are hurting, for ministry that is failing. Um, But he's also calling us to do that in the context of relationship as we minister to God's people. So my hope is that um, we won't let things slide. I never want to be a person who says, yeah, we should let institutions off the hook. We should let leaders off the hook. Uh, I certainly think that uh, if I was in some of the positions that some of my friends were in, um, in which I was um, connected to an institution, I would have to make some hard choices too. I would have to step away. But in the role that God has me playing, I I currently get to engage with folks who have done things poorly, and hopefully, by God's grace, we're able to invite them into a new and different way, Uh, a way in which people are safe and people are heard and people are supported and empowered. So I appreciate you guys tuning into the podcast today. I, I hope that that simple walk through 2 Timothy was helpful. I really try to be that type of minister of the word. And I know that I fail. We all fail at that. But thankful for God's grace and his willingness to walk alongside us to um, give us the strength that we need. And so let me encourage you, if you're in that place where you're ready to speak truth, you are being called into um, you know, confronting your church community, or I should say critiquing, evaluating, maybe even educating them, let me encourage you to get connected to our ministry at PeaceWorks so that we can help you um, be better prepared to, um, to speak truth uh, to the institution. While, while I'm on that, if, if your pastor, ministry leader, is ready, if you've been having these conversations, or perhaps you are a pastor or ministry leader, and you're looking for additional training, uh, maybe a first step, a domestic abuse 101 type of training, let me encourage you to consider attending PeaceWorks Live. 
Uh, that's September 25th and 26th of 2020. Uh, it's our first virtual conference. You can register at chrismoles.org slash events. If you're hearing this podcast after the conference has taken place, don't worry. Uh, we're going to keep the replay up for a while so you can still access uh, all the material from that event. Well, guys, thank you for um, listening in as I, as I think through the principles of Second Timothy. My hope is that this is a help to you, that this podcast is encouraging to you. I am so thankful for all of you that tune in every week uh, to spend your time with us uh, here at the PeaceWorks Podcast. So until next time, guys, God bless you.